So we're continuing our series on Everyday Supernatural uh, from the book by Mike Pilavachi and Andy Croft, uh, continuing through uh, the series this and then into uh, next year we'll do the sort of second half of the book. Uh, and today I'm going to be finishing the two-part uh, preach that I did about three weeks ago when we talked about we have this treasure in jars of clay. And if you remember, if you were here, we finished at the end of the meeting by saying, I'm a jar of clay, but God is in this place. And just that encouragement that God is with us and we have this treasure, albeit in jars of clay. And this week, uh, I'm going to be finishing at the overall sort of heading for both is God's power, our weakness. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be looking at God's power made perfect in our weakness. So we're going to jump straight into the scripture. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow it, but I'm going to read from the message because I felt that this particular passage came across really well in the message. So it's very different to what you might find in your usual Bible translation. So it may be, you know, you can, if you don't want to follow it, then the, the words will come up on the screen anyway. So 2 Corinthians 12, and let me just uh, introduce it by saying that Paul is in the middle of defending his apostleship. Uh, and so we catch him in the middle of it. And he starts it by saying, you force me to talk this way. And I do it against my better judgment. But now that we're at it, I may as well bring up the matter of visions and revelations that God gave me. For instance, I know a man, you know, that's like that agony column, isn't it? You know, I've got a friend who's got this problem. I know a man who 14 years ago was seized by Christ and swept into ecstasy to the heights of heaven. I really don't know if this took place in the body or out of it. Only God knows. I also know that this man was hijacked into paradise. Again, whether in or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. There he heard the unspeakable spoken, but was forbidden to tell what he heard. This is the man I want to talk about. But about myself, I'm not saying another word apart from the humiliations. If I had a mind to brag a little, I could probably do it without looking ridiculous, and I'd still be speaking plain truth all the way. But I'll spare you. I don't want anyone imagining me as anything other than the fool you'd encounter if you saw me on the street or heard me talk. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, so he, we know he's talking about himself. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. 
I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations cut me down to size. Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough. You know, we've been hearing quite a lot about grace recently. Quincy preached on, uh, on grace in the family and that we're saved by grace and enjoying the benefits of God's grace. And I think this uh, phrase here, um, my grace is enough, is a slightly nuanced view on grace. And so I want to dig into that a little bit. Uh, and you know, when we look at grace, I think it's helpful to look at mercy and grace together because it's like they're two sides of the same coin. You know, it may be that in, in a little while we won't be able to use a coin as an illustration any longer. You know, maybe your, your grandchildren or great-grandchildren will say to you, Nanny, Grandpa, what, what was a coin? What was that? You know, what did you do with it? But for now, two sides of the same coin, mercy and grace. And their, their definitions are quite similar but actually quite different. So mercy is not receiving the punishment we deserve, not receiving the punishment we deserve, whereas grace is receiving the blessings and benefits that we don't deserve. So mercy, we don't get the punishment we deserve. Grace is the blessings and benefit that we don't deserve. So what is the punishment that we deserve? Well, it's already come up several times this morning that the punishment we deserve is death. Because we were born into a sinful world, our, our heritage goes right back to Adam and Eve. And the fact that sin came through them and we're, we're born in sin. And to take the illustration from uh, three weeks ago of the jar of clay, we're like cracked pots. Not crack pots. Well, maybe, maybe some of you, I don't know, I'm, I wouldn't go there. But we're, we're cracked pots, we have a flaw. And, you know, potters with a cracked pot would chuck it away. In fact, potters used to uh, buy a field that was rich in clay and they would dig out the clay in trenches and they would then use the clay to make the things, whatever it was they wanted to, the pots and so on. And then as the clay started to dry, they'd examine it and they'd look for flaws. Is a crack going to appear? Because if it did, there was no point in painting and glazing it. They'd just smash it up and they'd throw it back into the ground where they'd taken it from. It's why it's called the potter's field. That's a reference we find in the Bible. And in fact, potter's fields were right through to just before the Industrial Revolution were used as paupers' graves because the trenches were already dug. And so these jars of clay... These flawed, cracked pots were just due for being thrown away. And that was, that was our punishment. That was what was due for us. But God sent his son so that we could not 
receive that punishment. He sent his son so that he would take the punishment on our behalf. You know, and in a few weeks' time, we're going to be celebrating Christmas when Jesus came to earth as a baby. The Word became flesh, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, that Word becomes flesh is a a phrase out of uh, John chapter 1, and probably that chapter will be read in just a few weeks at Christmas. And let's have a look at something else that's said in John chapter 1, where it begins. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now we know that the Word becomes flesh, and we know that the flesh is Jesus. So we know that the Word is Jesus. So Jesus was in the beginning with God, and he was God. And I'm not going to go into the Trinity, but it's, you know, it's there, isn't it, in essence. He was there with God, and yet he was God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, separate persons, but one God. And Jesus was there. Now, there's an amazing phrase coming up. All things came into being by him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. I remember years ago learning that verse uh, when Liz and I were in the church in Whiteleaf, just up the road, and our friend Roger was preaching on this verse, and he got a, a roll of wallpaper, and he had people stand over here and roll it right out across to the other side of the room. And on it was, without him was not anything made that was made. And we learnt that verse together. And it means that Jesus was there involved in creation. There wasn't anything made that was made without him. And so we know that therefore Jesus was there in the creation of the world, the sun, the moon, the stars, the plants, the animals, the gathering of the dust to model a man and then blowing into it to give this man life. And you know, I suddenly realized when I was preparing that when we talk about the word becomes flesh, it's like a phrase we use often. And I think sometimes we lose the understanding of what that meant. I realized, to put it in other terms, the potter became the pot. I think that's amazing. The potter became the pot. But when he became that pot, he was perfect. He wasn't cracked. He wasn't flawed in any way. And yet, he took the punishment. He was smashed. He was cracked. He was broken for us. And just like those shards were thrown into the ground, so seemingly Jesus was thrown into the grave. But, but, God raised him from the dead. And so that punishment that was due for us was taken by him and we can receive mercy and not be punished but receive life instead. So if we were to toss the coin of mercy and grace on your life, where would it land? Would it land on mercy that it's there, it's available to you? You haven't quite picked it up yet. You haven't taken it. You see, because it's a choice. Do any of you use the Morrison's app? You know, I've got the Morrison's app on my phone. And on the Morrison's app, it, it ha- you have offers. They're available to you. 
you know, and you get money off. I like money off. But in order to benefit from that offer, you have to go into the app and you have to activate it. So I can scan my barcode, but if I haven't activated the offer, I don't get it. You see, it's just the same with mercy. The, Jesus has already taken the punishment, but you have to accept it. You have to make a choice. Am I going to receive the benefit that he has offered me? And that's a choice that you can make today if you want to. We can talk about that a little bit later. So when you receive the benefit that you don't deserve, that then becomes grace. And there are more benefits and blessings that follow than not just uh, having death, as it were, taken away from us. And Quincy talked about those. These, these are the wonderful things that God has done for us. The blessings and benefits of the grace of God. And choice uh, continues as part of our Christian existence. Uh, I followed Terry Virgo on Twitter and I was encouraged to see a, uh, a tweet that he put out on Monday or Tuesday this week. It says, grace isn't a free-for-all. It doesn't make everything acceptable. It teaches us to say no. It's not like an external law that forbids us. It works internally, changing our appetites and preferences. We say no because we're new people with new desires. That's what happens when you're born again. You, you receive the mercy of God. You are born again. You're, you're a new creation. You're a new pot. You're still a jar of clay, but you're a new pot without any flaws or cracks. And that is what God has done for us. It's remarkable. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Now I want to head back into 2 Corinthians uh, and look at Paul. But before I do that, I want to just make sure I've got your attention. I, I don't want you half asleep because I'm going to say something about the Apostle Paul that is shocking. And I, I don't want you falling off your chair because you're half asleep. And what was that he said? So I want to make sure I've got your attention. The Apostle Paul made mistakes. I know, I know. Uh, it's outrageous, isn't it? He did. He made mistakes. You know, he wrote to the Roman church and he said to them, the good things I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things I don't want to do are the very things I do. Wretched man that I am, he says. He made mistakes. And so when we look at 2 Corinthians and chapter 12 and the struggles that Paul had. You know, struggles? What do you mean, struggles? How can that be? Not, not the Apostle Paul. Crumbs, if he made mistakes, what hope have I got? Maybe that's what you think. Or maybe you think, well, if the Apostle Paul made mistakes, maybe there is hope for me. 
But actually, either way, that's not very helpful because you're looking at the wrong person. You don't want to look at the Apostle Paul. You want to look at Jesus because he's the one who can help you. And that's what he says to the Apostle Paul. Now, if, if you ever heard someone preach on the thorn in the flesh or the, the handicap that the message talked about, they'd say, don't speculate on what the thorn in the flesh is because the Bible doesn't tell us. Well, guess what? I'm going to go there. I'm going to step into the danger zone of speculating on what the thorn in the flesh was. Not because I want to go, well, it could have been this or it could have been that. But I want to look at the issues that we see in Paul's life because I think they may be issues that we experience as well. So we know, well, when we read it in the message, that they, they talk about a handicap. So it could have been physical. And we know that Paul, from if we read external uh, descriptions of Paul, so external to the biblical passages, we know he was, he was a short guy with bowed legs. And uh, that could have been an issue of uh, some sort of physical problem that he had. And when you think about what Paul did, you know, the walking and the traveling and the, the shipwrecks and all the rest of it that he went through, to have a physical ailment, is, that's the last thing you need, isn't it, really, when you're going to be doing all the things that Paul did. But, but God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is available to you. So we find Paul continuing. He's pushing through. He, he couldn't rely on his own weakness, but he starts to rely on the strength of God. And we see the amazing things that he achieved despite potentially having physical ailments. You know, many of us suffer in the same way. Where do you sit with your ailment? Does it get in the way or do we start to press into the strength of God? We know that Paul was quite insecure. Insecure? Are you kidding, Kevin? Yeah, he was. We, we, we see that because even in the passage that we read, he was defending his apostleship. He did the same in his letter to the Galatian church, defending his apostleship. Because I think he probably felt, well, there's all these apostles who were with Jesus, and I'm a bit second rate. I wasn't there at the time. Not only that, I was persecuting Christians. I was dragging them out of the synagogues, out of the churches, and, and causing them to be put to, get to death. I'm more like a, a, a second rate apostle. And he defended himself before the churches because he was insecure that was a weakness it's a weakness that we find in ourselves but what did Paul do he realized he was in Christ that it was it was Jesus who appeared to him on the Damascus road and said this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. I want you to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And so that was his commission. And that's where he had to rely. 
He couldn't look at the other apostles and say, I'm not like them. No, no, that's right. You're not like them because you've not been given that commission. You've been given a different commission. You know, and we can be insecure. We can look at other people and think, gosh, they seem to be, they're doing so much better than I am. That's because they're, they're not required to do the things that God's asked you to do. They're doing the things that God's asked them to do. And we need to find our strength in what God has spoken to us. And the gifting and the character that he's given us. Because that's where we can find our strength in him. So Paul may have had a physical ailment. He may have been insecure. And I think Paul was subject to depression. We looked three weeks ago at uh, his, his, le- his first letter to the Corinthians, where he said, I came to you in fear and weakness and much trembling. And we looked in Acts, at Acts 18, where, uh, the, where Luke reports um, Paul going to Corinth. And there's the one-sided conversation that's recorded between God and Paul, where God says to him, don't stop speaking, don't be silent, carry on. And why does he say it? He said, I am with you, is what he says. I am with you. So we can assume that if God says to Paul, don't be silent, go on speaking, that probably Paul said to God, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. I, I, think I'm going to, I don't think I can continue speaking out the gospel. All these things that are happening to me, this opposition that I get, I don't think I can do it anymore. And God says to him, no, don't stop speaking. Don't be silent. Why? Because I'm with you. And that's what he's saying here. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is what you need to rely on, not your weakness. Now, you might be thinking, when on earth is Kevin going to get to the point of God's power made perfect in our weakness? Well, I've got there. You'll be pleased to know. What does it mean that God's power is made perfect in our weakness? It sounds like God's power is slightly incomplete, that it's slightly imperfect, that it's not until you know, we start to use it, that it comes good. Well, that surely can't be right because we know that God is perfect and everything about him is perfect. So his power is perfect and complete. So what can it mean? Well, let me give you an illustration. And it's an illustration about a guy called Don Smith. Now, Don Smith was an elder in the church at Hastings, where we came from. But before we got there, he'd moved on. A group of people had gone to plant a church in Eastbourne. And King's Church Eastbourne now, which is part of our New Ground family, is a well-established church of probably three, four, five hundred people. Uh, and Don was leader of that team for a while. And then gradually he handed it over to others and he retired. But he still lives in Eastbourne. And he's, from his house, he can see over Beachy Head to the west. And so he often sees wonderful sunsets. And one day he was standing at his window looking out over the, the, be, the area, Beachy Head, and he saw this beautiful sunset. 
And it was glowing, gold and turning to orange and reds appearing and beachy head in silhouette. It's, it's just wonderful. And so he called to his wife, Stephanie, Stephanie, come and, come and have a look at this wonderful sunset. And they stood together at the window, just enjoying it. It was amazing and changing and developing as sunsets do. And when Don was telling this story, he said, you know, lovely as my wife is, she added nothing to that sunset. She made no contribution whatsoever. It was beautiful in its own right, and she added nothing. And I just found it such a helpful illustration when thinking about the choices that we make and the relationship we have with God and the power that is made perfect because the, his power is perfect, but it comes to us and when we use it rather than treading on our own weakness and trying to make that work, we draw on the strength of God and it's like that relationship with God is strengthened because it's his joy it's like, yes, yes, they're doing it. They're doing it. They're using my strength. It's wonderful. His strength, his power is available to us and it strengthens our relationship with him. And it's like we're together looking at the power of God and going, oh, wow, this is amazing. We don't contribute to that power. We don't make any difference to it. We don't add to it in any way. But... We develop that relationship with the Father as we draw on his strength and his power when we're finding ourselves in difficulty, when we're finding that we're, our ailments are getting us down, when we find ourselves feeling insecure around other people, when we find ourselves in that dark place of heading into depression. Those are the moments when a choice has to be made. Just like the choice of salvation, just as the choice of choosing mercy. Each time there's a choice that we have to make, which is, am I, am I going to draw on the grace that is sufficient for me? Am I going to draw on the power that is available to me? And it's a choice we make. Now, as I come to a close, I thought, where do we go with this? Am I going to ask you to stand up and say, yes, I'm going to do better? No, because that's probably not the right way to go. And then this morning, good old Terry Virgo came to my aid because I saw his tweet this morning and I thought, yeah, that's, that's where we want to go. Because he says, Thanksgiving. And this is what he says. For the believer, thanksgiving is always appropriate. Undeserved glory lies before you. All your sins have been forgiven. You have Christ's righteousness, truth to live by, the Holy Spirit to accompany and empower you. Come on, let's praise the Lord. And I thought, that is a great place to finish because we have all that we have received the mercy of God we have received the grace of God and yes we've made mistakes just like the apostle Paul 
But let's give thanks to God because he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Zoe and Jonathan to come and lead us in a song of thanksgiving.